Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter, at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership, at Believe Network. Today is Monday, August 7th. And this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V. Bravo. Leo, Eagle, Angel, Victor, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And you know, this is a very fitting sponsor for this week because we might have my favorite storyline of the last few years. And it comes courtesy of the Iowa Hawkeyes. First of all, didn't know gambling was the thing in Iowa. Surprised they found out about it. But the story here is that there was an Iowa football player on the team last year who did the thing everyone does that he should not be punished for, and he bet on the under against Iowa State. That is like 10 meta jokes in one joke. It's I just am so glad we get to talk about it. The most online joke and, and he nailed it. Yeah, dude. Just sticking the landing for online for just college football Twitter everywhere. I, I thank you so much, Iowa football. I believe it was like the punter too, or like the it, backup. Yes, he is the backup kicker, which somehow oh, is better. That is I mean, if you wrote that and told it to me, I think, okay, this is a very funny tweet from a Saturday when, you know. <laughs> Everyone was kind of bored. You know, the, the 12 o'clock games are a bit are a bit lopsided. Maybe it's week two, and we're just like, yeah, okay. The, like, this would ever happen. And uh, not only does it happen, but it gets the spotlight it deserves since it's still in the offseason. So just very glad to have this in our lives. Dude, um, I love how initially it came out that Iowa State's, like, quarterback was gambling on his games and a handful of other players and everyone was kind of like whoa okay but then the Iowa player bet against the offense of an offensive coordinator who's still there still there mind you he was brought back because if you didn't know he's the coach's kid and (laughs) now they put a clause in his contract he has to average 25 points per game to keep his job and um wow all of it is just enough to make college football your favorite sport but oh. <laughs> then the best part was is they're like the NCAA's like well you can't play football anymore and this Iowa kid's like thank god that was miserable <laughs> <laughs> he's like I don't want to have to attempt 54 yard field goals 10 times a game like, no thanks Quickly on Brian Ferentz, like, you know, if you've ever worked 
in in like sales specifically, you know, there's these things called performance improvement plans. <laughs> oh, the dreaded pip. Yeah, a pip. And so it's like when an employee or you know, salesperson typically is like, you know, not not doing great. You know, you'll put them on a pip, and that pip is typically, you know, pretty aggressive. Uh, and the idea is like, hey, you got you got to shape up or or you got to ship out type of deal. Like, let's figure this out. And you don't see that happen in college football very often. And yet here we are, Brian Ferentz getting pipped very hard. Uh, yeah, but he's not. By his that's dad. Such, that's such an achievable pip. Yeah, they really took like the opposite approach of what a typical pip would look like. And it's it's like, listen, bro, we're we're doing it. We're bending over backwards here. You are, <laughs> you are a culture fit. We want you here. And yet <laughs> So and don't be more of an Iowa football culture fit than than <laughs> Brian Ferentz, we have to say. Brian Ferentz is praying to every god exists that the defense is good for one every weekend. Because <laughs> <laughs> he needs a tutty from the special teams or defense to get get his numbers up. Oh, man. I, I'm looking forward to it personally. And, and, and listen, if they're good, we will, we will all celebrate the genius of Brian Ferentz. And it will truly be one of the funnier and more enjoyable stories to tell but um this is really like a nature versus nurture thing right like Cade mcnamara eric all are yeah objectively like very capable if not good now we won't go as far as good we know how important that is but capable college football players who know what it takes to be successful yeah uh and so that's like that's the nurture right and then the nature side is like but you still play for iowa and so it's like what is truly going to win out in this instance it's going to be a fascinating case study i think we already kind of got a preview as we if you're a crazed lions fan you're hearing reports of sam laporta popping yeah (laughs) can you imagine yeah but i can't i thought he would struggle just out of the gate because he'd be like oh my god people are (laughs) doing things right like me you know like that would be a shock to my system yeah, he's but instead he's like, well, I went against this great defense with this awful offense for all those years. <laughs> it's like, what's it like when a quarterback can actually like, like, you know, I don't want to hate on Jared Goff because he was he was good last year. He's been he's his number one pick. He's had a pretty good career. But like the up when you're upgrading to Jared Goff and it's like you're playing with Tom Brady or like Peyton Manning with the the ninety nine vision cone from Man from Madden yeah. twenty twelve. Like, what a feeling that must be. Yeah, Laporta. Yeah, when you go straight to starting in the NFL, it, it does say quite a bit about Brian Ferentz, I got to say. <laughs> He's catching strays on this one, but that's how you can tell we're, we're hungry for football. They're not even strays. That's like, accurate. He deserves it. Oh, man. Well, two more teams will get to feast on the carcass that is Iowa offense. Is Big Ten has added Washington and Oregon to the conference I'm having trouble keeping track of how many teams we have now, but it's well it's well above ten. Yes, <laughs> and, and uh, with that, two pretty pretty good programs. The last of the good programs, not really locked in somewhere. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it is. They are the pick of the Pac-12 litter. As soon as you get past USC and UCLA, who were already in 
yeah. the Big Ten. So the Big Ten essentially just went and took the, the top third of the Pac-12, and they're like, you know what, you're going to be part of our conference now. Um, I, and I don't know, man. We talked a lot about the Pac-12 on the last one just because these dominoes were, like, shaping up and getting ready to fall, but not enough is made of just how disastrous – this is for that conference. And, and in, in a way, it is a bit sad. Like, mm-hmm. I've up, everybody to this point has had the pack, the pack, whatever number has been around for like 100 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, to lose it is a bit sad, but it was also, you know, you saw the writing on the wall. Again, when Colorado bails, you know something's up. And then when they. <laughs> I forgot but, they were first. Yeah. And then when they're the harbinger, the canary in the coal mine, that's that's <laughs> not good. And then, then George Klebakov, the new, I believe that's how you say his name, uh, comes to uh, the Board of Regents meeting with a Apple TV subscription model as the media rights package. Like, I'm sorry, man. People aren't watching it when it's free. I'm not sure. I'm not sure anybody was paying a subscription to watch Pac-12 football. So you, you really knew it was over at that point. And, you know, credit to the big 10 for striking while the iron's hot. Um, I love that they say they don't want to be destructive and then they're immediately <laughs> as destructive as possible. We're uh, trying to find the guy who did this. Yeah, it just, it is, it really is him in the hot dog suit, but I, I, you know, credit to them. And then again, another sign here is like Oregon and Washington didn't even take full shares. Like they, t- they took less money, than, which is still significantly more than they were making, to be very clear, and more than they'd make anywhere else aside from the SEC. Like, but they they were like, yeah, what the get? What can we have? Like, we need something. If we can just hang out with you guys, that mm-hmm. would be great. Because uh, yeah, uh, it's it's going to be bizarre. I think in a way it does work out really well for the Big Ten in the in that now you don't just have two. West Coast teams, although it's not like Washington and Southern California are close to each other, um, at least you still have a little bit of protection and kind of like a clump over there. But uh, and I think it's going to make the introduction of two California teams just make make a lot more sense and be be more realistic or just, I don't know, manageable and normal ish in a way. so very, very interesting. It's also a last little funny note here. It's going to be very funny for Michigan State to potentially play Washington in three straight years and have two of those games be non-conference and then immediately have the next one count towards their conference record. That's kind of wild. Yeah. Well, there's some teams. Okay, before we get into the teams left behind. Yeah. I mean, uh, like we said last week, you cannot like it, but at least we're on the good side of it, you know? Yes. I mean, because it's still happening, and we got to just chill and make the most amount of money possible of any school out there, period. Like, that's yeah. not small. That's <laughs> massive, considering the disadvantages or, you know, the fact that when you're trying to become elite, you need that advantage. And you could argue that Washington and Oregon have, you know, did the right thing, but they better win really, really fast because their peers in the conference are going to be making double the money they will. And that was, that money goes towards football. If you really care. Um, 
You know what I mean? And so, yeah, they, like I said, they better win fast because that gap is not small in the amount of money per year. It's, it's 50 million or something to that extent. Like it's, it is a wild gap. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, and as much as, as much as moving to the big 10 opens up, you know, other recruiting bases, even though, you know, Oregon's always recruited fairly national, pretty nationally, yeah. but yeah. yeah, as much as that opens up, that's a two way street. So now, you know, there's no reason why Michigan state or, you know, Penn state or one of these other big, these big schools, certainly Michigan, certainly, uh, uh, you know, Ohio state can't go in and now be like, guess what? We're in the same conference. You get to play out here, you know, at least three times during your career, whatever it would shake out being like, mm-hmm. and so really, if you don't keep recruiting at an elite level and you make less money, you put yourself in, you know, potentially some pretty dire straits pretty quickly. So I, I think it's a really astute point there. And the other part is like, there's two more teams coming. So mm-hmm. everyone should just brace for that. And it's almost like even before we move ahead to talking about the other conferences, I do think it's worth us noting that like, this will not stop at 18. I do think it will stop at 20 for at least a period of time. But I, there, there is simply no way that this stops at 18 teams. It, it just won't happen. So I misspoke. Sorry, I just want to correct myself. Big 10 teams are going to be making 58.8 million. I think Oregon and Washington receive 30 million. Yeah. That's still... You're gonna you're knocking on the door for Phil Knight and your donors for twenty eight point eight just to close the gap per year. Not exactly. a small amount to fundraise. Um, so so sorry, I've got that wrong. But yeah, I think you're right about you know where does this end? Um, well, that's kind of takes us to who's left, and the picked over carcass of the Pac twelve is down to four teams: uh, Oregon State, Washington State. Cal and Stanford, two groups that are very different, uh, socioeconomically, mm, like every way possible, very different types of schools. <laughs> um, it sounds like the ACC is interested in Stanford and Cal, and the Mountain West is all that's left for Oregon State and Washington State. What do you think? I mean, I, I think uh, in a way, kudos to the ACC for just being like, I'm leaving, like the Denzel meme. It's like, I'm leaving here with something. Like, I'm, 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 I'm coming. Like, I'm, I'm taking something. Then that's it. Uh, it's, I think the analogy I was making before we started was that it's like when you went to, it's like like Black Friday. You're like, you're like I'm getting in, I'm going to Best Buy and I'm buying something. Like, yep. I have to get something because there's, there will be nothing left or like going to the grocery store when COVID first hit. It's like, I need food. Cause I don't know if I'm ever <laughs> leaving the house again. So <laughs> that's what this feels like to me because it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like yeah. it, it really doesn't. You can, you could have said the same thing to a degree. Uh, it's really just a more extreme, less real, like reasonable version of what the big 10 did when they went out and got uh, USC and UCLA. Like much less reasonable. <laughs> it's entirely less reasonable. Like, yes, that's way out of the footprint. But you know where the footprint starts for the Big Ten? It's yeah. it starts in the Midwest. It doesn't start on the literal Atlantic coast, the name of the conference. It it's 
it's just a vastly different uh, suggestion in, in operating model. And and again, again, like I understand why the ACC is doing this because they have to show their member teams that we are trying to keep up. Because if they don't, and even if they do, those teams, Florida State, Clemson, um, North Carolina, I would bet Virginia, are all going to be knocking down the commissioner's door to try and get out of this bill of rights that keeps them tied there till 2036 because they again they see the writing on the wall they know like and they know the big 10 will not wait and the sec will not wait until 2036 to continue right. to expand so it's it the sec like if you think the sec is just going to sit and wait for you you are insane you're insane you've completely misread the entire situation and well, i don't think that the Big Ten's going to sit around and wait either. They've got plenty of other teams they can go after, and they're the ones situated in the middle of the country, so they can literally go anywhere. Yeah, who? I mean, like there are no programs left worth taking that the Big Ten or the SEC. They're the two, right? They are the ones that get to decide, and the SEC won't take any Big Ten teams because, I mean, they won't make as much. It's they will make less money. To be honest, that's among a thousand other reasons. I think these two, these two conferences don't want to go toe-to-toe with each other. They, I don't think you'll see that. They both know that they are the two that will ultimately win out and compete with one another as long right. as they don't piss the other one off. Because I guarantee you, if if the Big Ten tried to go again, go after Kentucky or something like that, uh, the, the SEC would just go make a, a, a land grab and try to like throw the bag at Notre Dame or something crazy like that or throw – Ohio State some stupid offer and try to just be the only only conference that's left. So the Big Ten's not messing with the SEC, that's for sure. I think, yeah, we've got a little bit of a DraftKings fan duel race yeah. <laughs> here. We're going to kill everybody else, and then we will both survive. Except uh, online, John. Yeah, shoot. Well, that's where they come through the cracks here uh, in the aftermath and, and make up market share. The... the uh, you were talking about the SEC expanding. You're thinking like Florida State has been very vocal about yes. the. Then you got to think there are a couple other teams that would feel pretty natural fits in the Southeastern Conference. They're not going outside. Of, they don't. Their footprint, like they don't need to. But um, I feel like you add a few ACC teams to break that conference up. It's kind of the last thing left. The Big Twelve has rapidly expanded um, and filled itself out as, as the other piece. There's a lot of people online talking about how fun that conference is. You know, wow, it's going to be wild. I'll tell you something else. Kind of stinks. No <laughs> one wants to talk about that, but like name the best program in that conference. now. It's, Seriously. It's, T it's TCU. TCU? Look me yeah. in the eye and and tell me you really believe that that's a good conference. They were just in like the Mountain West like ten years ago or something. Yeah, no, it, it's it is they are going for volume, which I can't necessarily blame them for doing. That's They're fine. insulating themselves against anything else coming around, and I think those teams are probably fairly self aware. Like I don't know which one of them's mad about being there. I don't no, know who thinks they deserve this big, like. Like who thinks which one of these guys thinks that they deserve the next big call up? Like, I just I don't know. Like, I think uh, Oklahoma State is a little mad that they were left out of the SEC. Sure. Right? I think there are a couple maybe feeling they could have 
hung yeah. around. But that's I, about it. That's delusional, personally. But I can see why they would feel that way. And this but they is the, see Missouri. You know, they see, like, and they're like, really? Them? over? You know, but they just moved early. Missouri. Shout out Missouri. Dude, shout like, out Missouri. Shout out Maryland. Shout out Nebraska. These yep. teams that saw the yep. writing on the wall and made it happen. Yeah. They, yeah. Listen, those presidents deserve a lot of credit. And here... It, Oklahoma State is a very good place for us to like drop a pin. That could be Michigan State. You may not want to admit that to yourself. You may think that, oh, we have all of this history and we've done yada, yada, yada. TV contracts don't care about that. And Michigan State, if, if, if Michigan State was in a Big Ten that was dissolving, mm-hmm. they could easily easily have been in this same spot. So when you watch all this happen again for the millionth time, just sit back and say, sorry, guys, like, thank God that is not us there. But for the grace of God, go on. Like it's 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 a it's a nice place to be as a Michigan State fan. Like it's like looking around at like layoffs and you've still got a job. You're like, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just happy. I just Mm -hmm. my badge still works when I go to the building every day. Might be a lot of really good employees here, but like that's that's okay. So yeah, Oklahoma State, this weird like kinship mm-hmm. where you're in the same state as a, a a program that people might think is overrated, but um, mm-hmm. still a nationally very relevant program. So yeah, um, but I don't know where they go now. I really don't. I don't know where we. I think like we said, the there's going to be a few other snipes here. The American Conference, good on them. They're like, hey, you guys want to join our thing to Cal, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State? And I was like, okay, yeah, shoot your shot. Why not, American? Like, someone's got to clean up this mess. So after those four fall, and then until anything happens with their grant of rights contract with the ACC, I think we might be settling down. But what do you think? Like, there's going to be movement, but it's not until the ACC is able to move. What do you, do you think? Yeah, there's just only so much meat on the bone. So like the Big Ten is going to have, but uh, I think the Big Ten should and will in earnest go to Notre Dame whenever this next wave comes and say, here is basically whatever you want. Like, yeah. because it would be such a shame and it is not out of the realm of possibility to see Notre Dame go align themselves with the SEC. Like you you couldn't blame the SEC for trying and you certainly couldn't blame Notre Dame for going. But it would just be so unfortunate when, you know, uh non-conference games are going to be more further and in be- farther in between than ever before and you know, yeah, conference games are going to be better, but you you would lose so many uh, historic matchups. And I haven't like given too much stock to that with the growth of these conferences because I think for the most part, like regional rivalries will be protected. But if you take you know all of the Big Ten teams, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, now USC, UCLA, like teams Notre Dame, maybe not UCLA, but teams Notre Dame have played historically, even Stanford, you take away the ability for those guys to play. And that just, it does dilute the product in a way for people that really passionately follow this, these teams. So, um, 
Yeah, it, that would be too bad. And I think, again, what that does, again, also from like a television package rating, all of that stuff, what that does for the Big Ten is worth basically whatever you're going to give up. And I think, quite honestly, it's probably worth it for all the other members to to give up a little piece of the pie to make it happen because it's the value there is going to be enormous. So yeah, yeah. I, I think they'll go there. Sorry. No, you're, you're right. I agree. That is probably the biggest piece on the board. Um, and that's – and then – the ACC may be broken up after that domino falls, and then we'll have guaranteed playoff spots for the remaining conferences, some more than others, uh, yeah. much like you do in the World Cup, where you know the European League gets way more bids than, say, the CONCACAF, because they're just better and more of them, right? So... That probably feels like where we're going as we expand to a 12-team playoff and not such a bad spot for Michigan State to be in the group that would have the most protected spots in the playoff. So you don't have to win your conference, and that's probably a good thing for us. Yeah, I don't – and honestly, like, I think that this, like – I guess I'm not sure why people hate it so much. Like, I, I, if you're on the losing end and you're one of these programs, like we've talked about, who gets left out of that party, in a way that sucks. But it's also like we could be sitting here, so long as the Big Twelve keeps a automatic bid, we could be sitting here in ten years and talk about how Oklahoma State has made the college football playoff like four times. Yeah, you know they still have the door open, and it in a way it becomes like. Like there's going to be the opportunity for it, like you know, the Gonzaga of college football in, in a way where, yeah, sure, you play less or talent, but, you know, maybe some guys don't mind that. Maybe some guys want to go play, you know, still want to go play in Stillwater and want to win 11 games a year. Like, I don't know. To me, that's there's some really cool, weird era defining upside here that, you know, and also you talk about wanting not wanting to see the same teams in the playoff every single year. Well, guess what? The best way to do that, the best way to get rid of that is to just put harder teams on those teams schedule. And that's what this does for all intents and purposes. So I think there's a lot of really good stuff to come from it. And yeah, I don't know. I'm personally pretty fired up. (laughs) I'll tell you this. We will have a lot to scout in advance and doing conference previews will be extremely much more difficult with so many teams. Much, much different. Um, a lot of high level for you folks. Um, but uh, <laughs> we will still give you big in depth on our team. I'll give you that. Yes. Speaking of, Speaking should we transfer to the big 10 unit preview of, uh, or excuse me, the Michigan state unit preview of wide receiver and tight end this week. And I think good. maybe quarterbacks too. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how far we get, but we'll definitely we'll, we'll we'll try the passing game here, right? Yeah. Um, okay, let's start with our wideouts. So, uh, keeping with our little theme here of going by the pick six previews, Big Ten unit ranks. If there's one to get sad about, it mm. would be this position, and that would be your wide receivers. Listen, it's it's hard to blame. Uh, Mr. Pick Six, or any other group for that matter, for not having a ton of faith in this group of pass catchers. Because when you look at what left, it's it's tough to imagine the level of production being replaced overnight. 
Um, Jalen Reed, obviously off to the NFL after uh, some incredible seasons in East Lansing, drafted in the second round, looking like a, a, a an early player for the for the Packers. Um, and then also, obviously, the departure of Keon Coleman through the transfer portal to Florida State. Additionally, the departure of Jeremy Bernard uh, mm. transferring to Wash and now a Big Ten rival. So you could make a case that three of maybe the top five receivers, four even, uh, of this group uh, left the room headed into this year. Now, that's not ideal. Um, but what I will say is that there is talent in this room. It will admittedly take a lot to replace all of the big plays that that went out the door. But you, you do have, um, as a starter, a senior in Trey Mosley, who has been nothing if not extremely dependable. Um, so it's not as though there's nothing to start with, but Mosley is very much of the, to, to go back a little bit, the Cody White, Daryl Stewart, productive, mm. but not type of receiver mold. That's a, that's uh, a good company. From, that's good company. It, it, absolutely. Two guys that had very productive uh, ends of their tenures at Michigan State, but just it's not Jalen Reed. It, you know, it's not it's not an NFL. He might be an NFL player. Don't get me wrong, but it's he's not jumping off the pages like, OK, I'm glad this guy's our number one option. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from him across the room there, there is some depth. Montori Foster has been on the team for quite some time at flashes here and there. Um, Christian Glove, or excuse me, Christian Fitzpatrick transferred from Louisville back in the day. He's a big body. Everyone's been kind of waiting to waiting to see uh, kind of break out. And then behind him, there are a handful of young guys. And one intriguing transfer. Uh, the transfer I'll actually start with before going to the young guys, and that's Elante Brown. Uh, Elante Brown was at one point in time a big target for Michigan State. Um, he, I believe, is from the state of Michigan. Ended up going to Nebraska and, you know, it, it's always difficult to judge players based, especially offensive players, based on how they produced at Nebraska. But um, he had some mildly productive years. Went to the transfer portal when the team, when the, uh, the the head coach changed, and is is now in the room at Michigan State. I'm very intrigued to see what he can do um, because, again, he was a pretty good recruit, uh, and and you know MSU could turn him loose now. Uh, there are three other, and actually probably even more than this, names to really note. Uh, in that room. And uh, those are, I'm just going to pull up exactly who I'm looking at here, but um, the names off the top of my head. Yeah, there we go. We've got, okay, we're going to go through a bunch here. Uh, So some of the freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores, uh, Jaron Glover, who was a high mid to high three-star out of the state of Florida redshirt last year, has apparently turned some heads in camp. Uh, Tyrell Henry is Probably the name getting tossed around the most as the breakout guy. A uh, little skinny, but has some real speed uh, and could even potentially contribute as a kick or punt returner as well. Then you've got Antonio Gates Jr. You may recognize the name Antonio Gates because he was one of the better tight ends to ever play the game. His son is a big-bodied athletic wide receiver from Michigan State who will almost definitely get a crack uh, at playing this year. Behind them, there's really just two new names for true true freshmen from this year, and that's Jalen Smith and Isaiah Johnson. Don't really expect to see a ton out of those guys coming into the season, but uh, apparently a lot of speed uh, across the board with those those two as well. So, again, if you're looking for kind of under the radar name, Tyrell Henry's the guy to keep an eye on. If you're looking for consistency, it's Trey Mosley. 
And then it's a lot of dudes you're hoping break out. So uh, there is, this is one of those situations where, again, you don't at this point have that alpha. And if you had Keon Coleman, we won't sugarcoat it. You'd feel a lot better about this room going into the season. But you don't. And that means there's opportunities. And we've had years, again, I mentioned Cody White. I mentioned Daryl Stewart. Those guys jumped out of nowhere to come and be productive. It's not inconceivable that that same thing uh, could happen here going into the to fall 2023. Yeah, you, you're going to need Foster, Fitzpatrick, or Mo, and Mosley to probably all have strong years to um, feel good about the because I think you don't want to have to ask an underclassman to pop. That's tough. Yep. So so um, you know certainly you can find contributors as underclassmen, but it's it's just tough. It's possible, um, but it's also pretty possible that Foster, Fitzpatrick, and Mosley have nice years. Like that's very much on the table. Um, so it's not bleak, but it's uh, it certainly could be better, but it could be a lot worse too. So you know. It, they just need to be as consistent as possible as this offense breaks in, you know, a new quarterback. And one of those positions that can help is the tight end. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the rooms, if not, that went through tons of transition, if not the most transition this offseason. Um, some of the names you'll recognize, especially the name at the top, the name everyone's talking about and have since he got on campus, and that's Malik Carr, the one-time Purdue transfer. Um this dude is, will be remembered by fans, no matter what he does from here on out, because he'll either be remembered as the guy who figured it all out later in his career or the guy who was um, like Marquise Gray. That's <laughs> a big throwback name for you basketball heads. Wow. The guy kept flashing but never really pulled it together, but had moments where you're like, wow, this guy is spectacular. So Carr, it's a deep, deep cut, but Carr has some of those moments that are like, I mean, this guy is is ready to be a pro. Like, I've seen moments where he's jumped off the page. And then you see moments where he gets blown up by undersized pass rushers in the blocking game uh, and just doesn't – it just kind of falls asleep on plays. Malik Carr has the chance to be the focal point of this offense, especially, I mean, in the passing game, certainly. But it's kind of all up to him because he has all the skill. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. He's got the opportunity, certainly now, to play – but um, you can tell that there was some questions about the remainder of this room based on what transpired uh, in the recruiting cycle two years ago and then in the transfer portal this year. Because Michigan State uh, took on three transfer tight ends this year. Uh, I believe two of them are grad transfers and the other an underclassman. But the grad transfers are Tyneal Hopper from Boise State and Jalen Franklin from Wisconsin. Now, both of them are known as blockers. Hopper apparently is uh, an extremely good blocker, something that Michigan State did simply just simply didn't have in this room. When you talk about 2022 with a lot of Tyler Hunt, um, who, you know, bless him, but was not cut out to to be in that role. Uh, so mm-hmm. Hopper brings experience. He's a three or four year starter at Boise state. Um, maybe not the best catcher of the ball, but will definitely play in two tight end situations. Jalen Franklin kind of in the same boat. Franklin at one point in time, I think was actually a pretty decent recruit, a uh, high three star. Um, his time at Wisconsin, you know, shows that he's got definitely experience within the big 10 and, you know, a depth piece. There's, there's never, t- 
never too much depth at any skill position. The intriguing name for the newcomers is Adamola Fayale. Now, he is from, I believe, Norfolk State or some very small, obscure school. But he is a freak athlete, like a big, athletic, Malik Carr-style pass-catching tight end. Um, went a little under the radar, wasn't like super highly recruited in the transfer portal, but uh, is you can probably look at him as a wild card more than anything else. It's like, hey, if, if this hits and it all works out, we might we might really be working with something. But um, otherwise, they certainly protected themselves by by quite a bit of addition here in the room. Two sophomores to keep an eye on are Michael Masunis and Jack Nickel. Jack Nickel in particular, I think, has a very real chance to jump up the, this depth chart very quickly because what he brings is um, a dynamic set of traits. Not only is he a great blocker and has been since he was a true freshman, which I believe was last year, uh, but he can also catch the ball. I've seen some clips of him running routes and uh, the unanimous kind of feedback from what you've heard publicly is is really sound on nickel. And Masunis is, is in sort of the same boat. Um, I believe Masunis was never committed to Notre Dame. That was Jack Nickel. And Jack Nickel, like, listen, if you're a Notre Dame tight end commit, they they churn him out. So that's a good place to be. So MSU did a good job flipping him. Um, finally, now we're talking about our seventh tight end, which feels feels about right. Um, the One of the higher recruits in Michigan State's class last year was actually tight end Brennan Parachek. He was a low four-star recruit. Uh, but Again, more of the pass catcher model than the blocker model. I think you're seeing a bit of a like this this uh, dynamic set of talents that Michigan State is looking for out of this position. So they're going for a, a little bit all over the the place with the mold they're trying to pull. But uh, Parachek probably not going to get on the field a whole lot, just given the depth in front of him. But you can see what MSU was doing with this position group, right? Treating the portal like free agency, shoring up more of just the sure things. Uh, guys that, hey, maybe they're not super flashy, but they're going to come in and at a minimum help you in the run game um, and then, you know, take a wild card shot on a guy like Fayale and see what happens. So all in all, like this group, this group is actually extremely important because if they can at a minimum block, you're going to help that offensive line and you're going to establish a run game. Fantastic. That is more than anything what Michigan State needs to do this year. But if they can then add an element in the passing game, it – it just unlocks so much for an offense and gives a quarterback, no matter who it is, a safety blanket. So listen, all in all, between all those guys, that's there's there's a lot of unknown in this pass catching at skill group. A lot of unknown. But that's not to say that there's no reason to get potentially very excited because there are a lot of decent to good recruits that are in this group. We've seen several of them perform with some consistency or pop in the past. So, uh, yeah, this group, well, maybe not as make or break as the offensive line, are definitely the names you're going to have to learn the fastest because you'll 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 see some new faces here contributing probably right off the bat. Yeah, best case scenario, Malik Carr comes in as just great. Yep. Decides to block this year, and a sophomore emerges as his backup. And then everybody else is just, uh, you know, when they're in, you kind of know what they're going to be in for, probably a run play. And um, that's the best case scenario, I think. And it's possible. I think it's within the realm of possibilities that Malik Carr puts it all together. Certainly has the uh, physical attributes to do it. 
And like you said, there are two sophomores on the team who you'd like to break into that uh, second string um, level and be able to start relying on them because um, they will be the the main contributors you'd hope uh, next year. So like you said, it's a mishmash group um, and, and you hope that someone gets very comfortable with the starting quarterback um, as they ease in. Did we want to do quarterbacks today? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Pretty straightforward. It is. There are only, I believe, three left uh, scholarship on the quarterback, which that's okay. It's also, let's just keep it that way. Let's let's not shake that number up. Yeah. Uh, I think at this point, everybody knows what happened here. Peyton Thorne, two-year starter, uh, threw his name into the transfer portal on the basically in the last like 10 minutes before it closed, ended up at Auburn. Um, I would like to formally say thank you, Peyton. You gave us one fantastic year. Very much enjoyed that. Wish nothing but the best for you down on the plains there at Auburn. Um, but in his wake, there are some actually very exciting names. I think everybody knows at this point, it's more or less a two-horse race between Noah Kim, who uh, is the was the backup last year, and Caton Hauser, who is a redshirt freshman, highly rated recruit uh, that Michigan State landed the year before that. There is also Sam Levitt, who was, a, again, a four-star recruit that Jay Johnson pulled in. Um, all in all, the talent in this room is really exciting. Uh, while Kim may not be the highest-rated quarterback Michigan State's ever gotten, if you look at his numbers when he was playing more often in high school, you see a really impressive player. You can also see in his, you know, what we've seen of him in a spring game and in limited game action, it's a dude with a very live arm. I think one of the biggest criticisms of Thorne specifically was that he couldn't fit balls into tight windows uh, or really launch the ball down the field with the with what Michigan State needed him to be able to do. But um, you're not going to have that problem with Kim from what we've seen. Guy has uh, a pretty solid rocket, as does Hauser. Haven't seen much out of Levitt yet to, to really speak on that. But um, it truly is going to boil down to Kim versus Hauser. If I, I just hope the internet gives Noah Kim a chance because mm-hmm. – these two are both going to play. We just all like no matter what side of this you're on, you should all be on the same side. And whoever it is, is you need to give them a chance. I Listen, if you go back through Michigan State's history in the last spe- specifically 10 or 15 years, the guy that everybody barks for, which in this case is Caden Hauser, is more often than not, not the guy that gets delivered. And that's not always a bad thing. I mean, again, if you go go look at what people were saying about Connor Cook playing once upon a time, go look at what people were saying about Kirk Cousins playing once upon a time, Brian Lewerke, like these guys all beat out freshmen or players younger than them that were higher recruits and names that message boards at the time and the internet subsequently were clamoring for. And that's not to say that Hauser won't win the job. But if he wins the job, he won the job. The same way that Thorne did over Anthony Russo two years ago. If he's playing, that means he is the man for it. I think that's the way to look at it. Kim is the safe option. He's been there for a few years. He's played a little bit of football. Uh, by all by all accounts, he's prepared to play. Um, but that doesn't mean it isn't an open competition and that Hauser won't get a chance. So I, I don't really know what else to say. I think if you were to, you know, 
ask me point blank what's better for the long-term health of the program, I'd probably say Caden Hauser winning the job because that means you've got a guy that's going to be a starter for a few years and maybe not just one or two. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's ready for it. Noah Kim might just be the guy. So no, no matter what happens, everybody's just got to throw throw in with whoever's job it is uh, and trust that the best player is going to play. Yeah, and whatever happens, happens, and you're probably going to lose one of these guys off the roster next year. So whichever one didn't start, right, or win the job. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. That's just kind of how it works now. So um, you can feel good about, we think, about Sam Levitt being the guy backing up next year um, either way. So, you know, there's a good ending here i think no matter what because like you said the best player win the job and like you said about noah kim i have i have some stats for you he didn't play much but when he did he threw uh 14 completions three of of them were touchdowns that is um that is good that's good Good also here's here's a uh stat i don't know to be true but i'm pretty sure it's true noah kim is the only college quarterback who has thrown a touchdown in every game he's thrown a pass Hmm. how do we like that stat i'm treating it as if it's definitely true i like that it it feels true feels Hmm. right three games three touchdowns he did play against western michigan but didn't throw a pass so i i mean we don't know what we got we do know that um if you had turned off any of the games he had played in, he played well. That's what we're telling you. We're the we're the sickos who stuck around and we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Something here. There's something here. Maybe. So um, either way, you can feel pretty good about, I think, who the starter is. I think we have two good options. I'll be honest. I feel a lot better about these two options than I did uh, in the Anthony Russo and Peyton Thorne year. I don't mm-hmm. know how you feel, though. I would agree. I mean, listen, you don't want to look at a year or an offseason and say, oh, it's a good thing that our starting quarterback transferred to another school because it's not an ideal outcome, no matter how you feel about the quarterback. But in a way, it, it I think it was the right thing for both parties. Um, Thorne caught a lot of heat last year and quite honestly deserved it with his play. I know he was injured for at least a decent amount of the year and certainly powered through whether that was the right decision on the coach's part or on his part up for debate, but um, he he gave MSU everything he had, but you felt the frustration throughout, you know, the room uh, by some things that were said and some of that were not. So for him to go get a fresh start, especially at a program, the caliber of Auburn under a coach like Hugh Freeze, who's churned out some very good quarterbacks in his time, pretty good for him. Great landing spot. Uh, I think it's also good for Michigan State to take a fresh breath and a fresh look at this position. Um, And I would agree with you that, especially as you think long-term about the program, this matchup, talent-wise and upside-wise, is definitely more exciting than the one that took place two years ago. And then don't sleep on Levitt, man. Levitt was Michigan State has now stacked four-star quarterbacks in back-to-back classes. That's the type of stuff that big boy programs do. So – that's uh, that's pretty exciting as well. 
good call. We're, we there's a lot to be excited about. This year is the bridge year. You know, the, this is the year where you get to, you know, see how high the ceiling can be in 2024. You know, I'm yep. not, and that isn't me throwing this year out the door. I think, though, you're hearing a lot of the the people we're talking about, not necessarily, um, you know, the wide receivers that we just went through, but there are going to be a lot of guys who are going to be on the team next year uh, that are going to be playing this year. And uh, that how well they perform, especially in the biggest games of the season is, is going to be as optimistic as I think we'll be able to feel about next year. But, you know, first things first, see who wins this job, Noah Kim or Kaden Hauser. And uh, either way, I think we got a good one. So it's only a few weeks away, Austin. A couple Thank weeks until kickoff. Yeah. Um, hey, before we sign off, quick, quick shout out to some breaking news. Uh, our friends, uh, the SD for life, the Spartan Dog for Life brand, they have just gone, uh, I guess, live, and it's the it's the first, I believe, NIL apparel program that is going to provide every single dollar back to the athletes. So. If you're wondering how to contribute, if you're wondering how to pay players and maybe not break your bank account and you get something out of it, something pretty amazing too, by the way, these initial look at this stuff is pretty sick. So uh, you can feel pretty good about buying clothes here or merch here or whatever you want to do, some hoodies, t-shirts, other accessories and uh, endorsed by, you know, you know, not just the entire program, but our head coaches too who um, have included some other materials to help uh, get this thing going, like autograph merch and, and some other sweepstakes of things and exclusive access. So a lot going on, uh, a very, very big positive for the university and something I think is going to get picked up nationally here overnight. So good stuff. Good stuff all the way around. Love, love that they're embracing the Spartan dog. Um, yes. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. I'll, I'll probably buy a hoodie. Um, All right, guys, listen, this has been presented this. And when I say this, I mean, this podcast has been presented by bet online for John. This is Austin. We'll catch you next week. See you.